the book of James in chapter 1, and I believe it's verse 13. It might be wrong. But we want to kind of rehearse some of the things we said and, and go a little step further. It tells us, in the midst of a trial, don't blame God. Remember this, that God is always and at all times for you. He's never against you. He will forever be on your side. And when you align your life to be on His side, man, that's a combination that will cause you to win. So even though you may be tempted to blame God for the test that you are in, the Bible very clearly tells us, don't say that. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. God doesn't deal with evil. Evil things don't come from Him. Only good things come from Him. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Amen? So, God cannot be tempted with evil. And then it goes on to say, neither does He tempt He any man. And the thought there is, He doesn't tempt any man with evil. Amen? Now, there is a test that all of us have from the Lord, but it's not the test of evil. It's not the test of sickness or disease. Uh, It's not the test of uh, some sort of heaviness or oppression on our lives. Those things don't come from God. But there will always be a test that you and I will face in God, and that's the test of obedience. That's the test of obedience. You know, God tested Abram, did He not? And He told Abram to go ahead and offer His only son. And Abram did so with haste. The Bible says He saddled up His ass and He headed toward the mountain to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. And so when it got to that point where Abram was about ready to to slay his son, there was a ram in the thicket. There was something happening in the thicket. And God sent that ram to stand in place of Isaac. And the Lord said, now I know that you will obey me. Now I know that you will trust me in that you have not spared your son, your only son. So we could say that Abraham passed the test. Amen. Have any of you ever been tested by the test of obedience? God will ask us to do things sometimes which our flesh would quite rather not do. Amen. But folks, if you will pass those tests, on the other side of that passing grade is increase. On the other side of that passing grade, if you will, is blessing upon blessing upon blessing. If Abraham had not passed that test... He would not be called Father Abraham. But thank God you and I are here tonight. We belong to Christ. And we're in Him. And we're Abraham's seed. And we're heirs according to the promise. Amen. Amen. So, we want to make sure then that our words are in line with the Word of God. So, don't let any man say when he's tempted. Don't blame God. Just understand this, that the enemy is bad and he intends to do bad to our lives, right? 
And then the second thing we talked about last week is always remember that in the midst of the test, your heavenly father is faithful. And we can have faith in his faithfulness. He has an absolute awesome track record. The Bible says that great is his faithfulness. Amen. He's faithful to his children. He's faithful to his sons. He's faithful to his daughters. So there's no temptation taken us. Such as not common to man. But God is faithful. And I like how the Amplified says that God is faithful and he can be trusted. Hallelujah. He is faithful and he can be trusted. We have faith in a faithful God. Has he ever come through before for you? Amen. Has he come through for you this year already? Amen. Well, he's going to keep on doing it because he's faithful to watch over his word on your behalf. Amen. So the third thing we talked about is in the midst of a test over there in James chapter one, we need the wisdom of God, how to know how to conduct ourselves in a specific or in a particular test. There's different kinds of tests. There's different kinds of trials that we go through. For diverse tests, God's got manifold wisdom. He's got much wisdom for us to apply in the midst of the tests so that we can go through it and make it to the other side. Amen? Look at James chapter 1 over there in, in, uh, I believe it's verse 4 and 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James chapter uh, 1. Well, let's look at verse 3. James chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let's keep reading. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Verse 5. If any of you, that's what I was looking for. If any of you lack wisdom, what do you do? You ask the all-wise one. You know, we used to have a show growing up as kids. Father knows best. Well, your father knows best. He knows what's best for you. So we want to connect with him by asking him for wisdom in the midst of a test. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally. That means that he's not going to hold back his wisdom from you. Amen? It's not some deep mystical, mysterious thing. You ask for wisdom, God gives you wisdom, and He'll make it known to you. Because He gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth or upholdeth not, and it shall be, oh hallelujah, it shall be given Him. Amen? Now, back up to verse 3. Here's the next point I want to talk about. In the midst of a test... We must employ patience. We must employ patience. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith, what does it do? It worketh patience. And the next verse says, but let patience have her what? What kind of work does patience have? Patience has a perfect work. Amen. And the result of you operating in divine patience is that you will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Amen? Or lacking nothing. 
So here's what happens when you're patient. When you're patient, your mind stays at ease. When you're impatient, your mind goes kind of off, doesn't it? Anybody get impatient today? Anybody ever been impatient on the road? You get impatient on the road and what happens? Frustration sets in. Sometimes your blood pressure goes up. But the Bible says in your patience, this is Luke 21, 19. The Bible says in Luke 21, 19, in your patience possess ye your souls. You see, your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your soul is where the enemy wants to attack you. Your soul wants what you want yesterday afternoon. Your flesh wants what it wants, and it wants it right now. But as you're functioning and operating in faith, oftentimes... There is a gap between the amen and the here it is. And so in that gap, one of the things that we want to employ is we want to employ patience. So that we remain steady. So that we remain stable and not lose our cool in the midst of a test. Now look at over at Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, we'll look at verses... Oh, 35, right on through verse 36 to 37. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'm just talking to you for a while tonight on how then should we conduct ourselves in the midst of a test. Now, notice with me, he says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Let's stop right there. Where does this confidence come from that we are not to cast away? This confidence comes from Him. You know, you remember what 1 John chapter 5 says. He said, and this is the confidence that we have who? In Him. him. Who is Him? Him is God. God and Him are one, and Him and the Word are one. So when He says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which comes from knowing the Lord, and comes from the Word, which has great recompense of reward. Now notice in verse 36. For you have need of what? Look at your neighbor and say, you have need of patience. Now point to yourself and say this, I have need of patience. Now I know I'm preaching good right now. For you have need of patience. Then after you have done what? After you have done the will of God, or exercised your faith, or stood on the promises of God that you're confident in, then after you have done the will of God, then you might receive the promise. Amen. Now let's drop down to the next verse. So I'm just saying employ patience. I think it would be good for us to say on a regular basis, I'm patient. I endure long. I'm kind. I am not going to lose my mind. My mind is my mind. My mind is not going anywhere. In my mind, I have the mind of Christ. And I will patiently endure between the amen and the here it is. 
or I will patiently endure before absolutely I know what his purpose for my life is. I may not see it in its fulfillment yet, but I'm going to be patient in the, in the time. Amen? Now notice the next verse. For yet a little while, and he that will come will come and will not tarry. Verse 38. But the just shall live by what? How shall the just live? Who are the just? I said, who are the just? Who are those that have been justified? Who are those that have been declared righteous? You and I are the just. Hallelujah. Now the just then shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. It gives your father great pleasure to see you walking in the truth, walking in the word, and walking in supernatural patience. Amen. Now, do you remember over in one of the epistles that Peter wrote, he said, consider it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is sent to try you. And I don't know exactly where that is. If you can find it, give it to me. But he said, don't, don't consider it a, 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 a strange thing because the test has come. All of us face tests. Amen. Somebody said, well, I haven't faced one yet. Well, just hang in there, buddy. In 1 Peter chapter 4, look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Praise God. Appreciate y'all sticking with me tonight. Amen. So, beloved, that's us. Think it not strange. The tests we face are not, they're common to man. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. You know, when you get born again, and when you get spirit filled, you become more of a target to the enemy. Right? But thank God we don't have to be bummed out by that. He's given us the whole armor of God. And he's given you the shield of faith wherewith you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. So don't think it's strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you. Is though some strange thing happened unto you. Verse 13. Verse 13. But do what? Did I read that right? Is God telling us in the midst of a fiery test to rejoice? He absolutely is. He said, instead of getting all bummed out, rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partaker of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Now where else do we see that word rejoice? We see it in Philippians, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord when everything's going good. Pastor Mark, rejoice in the Lord when the offerings are just outstanding and the building is full and you get amens and pats on the back in the back door. Get happy then, brother. Glory to God. No. He said, rejoice 
in the Lord. Well, most of the time. You better start rejoicing if you want to get through that test. That came right out of my spirit. You better get happy in your own pants. Amen. But rejoice in him. Now, look with me over at 1 Peter. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Everyone needs to have a, a hallelujah hallway. Or a place you can rejoice. Amen. Now notice in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse, let's look up, let's go back to verse 5. It talks about this inheritance. And in verse 5 it says, that you and I are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation or deliverance, ready to be revealed in the last time. Read verse 6 with me. Wherein... Now, that's a bump up rejoice. Amen. He said rejoice in the Lord always. That's good. He told us to rejoice in Second Peter, but he says now greatly rejoice. Amen. That's rejoicing overdrive. Wherein you greatly rejoice, thou though now for a season. Aren't you glad that seasons change? I was talking to some people yesterday and I said it would do you good to look at what you're going through through the lens of seasons. Seasons don't last forever. Seasons are temporary. Seasons can be prolonged though in respect to how we act in the season. And so he's telling us in a season to greatly rejoice. Though for how how many of you are ready for a season to end and a new season to come? Amen. We'll do some rejoicing. Do some rejoicing. I'm not talking about right now. You can right now if you want to. But do some rejoicing at home. Do some rejoicing in the car on the way home. Amen. Get in the kitchen while you're making your buttered popcorn. And glory to God, dance a little bit. Rejoice. Amen. Let's keep that verse up there if we could. Glory, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, there's heaviness through the manifold temptations. How many of you know temptations sometimes come in couples? (laughs) They can come in threes and fours. And it's not just one thing that's going on, but it kind of seems like all hell broke loose. If need be, you're in heaviness through many temptations. Verse 7. It says here. That the trial of your faith. This is what these tests are all about. The enemy is out to shut your faith down. He's out to cause you to close your mouth and stop saying 
and stop praying and stop rejoicing. He wants to shut us down, but he can't shut us down. That the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Whoo, hallelujah. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I believe I'm looking at a congregation tonight that's tried and proved. Amen. And so we go down that path of greatly rejoicing. Amen. And then let's look at that one verse of scripture over in Peter. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice. How about a little ha ha? Ha -ha. How about a little ha ha ho ho ha ha by faith? Anybody ever had a ha-ha by faith? <laughs> Glory to God. It's great and it's awesome when it's not by faith. But hey, by faith will do. Glory to the devil's not that smart. Creflo Dollar used to say it like this. Just fake it till you make it, brother. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 8. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8. Whom having not seen... You haven't seen the manifestation of it yet. You haven't seen the son or the daughter come to Christ yet. You haven't, you haven't seen the, the report that you're looking for medically yet. You haven't seen that yet in the natural realm. You haven't seen uh, the finances that you need yet. Haven't seen it yet. Anybody ever been there? Yes. Whom having not seen... You love, this is talking about Jesus, in whom though you see him not, yet what? Now Jesus hasn't appeared to me in a vision, but I believe in my heart and say with my mouth that he is Lord and I know he lives in my life. I haven't seen him. You may not have seen him, yet, yet believing. Yet believing. What do we do? We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Woo, hallelujah. You talk about the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory coming upon you in the midst of a test. If you will employ patience, if you will employ faith, if you will operate in some serious down-home, greatly rejoicing, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of glory will come upon you and He will rest on you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He will rest on you. And when he's resting on you, you what difference does it make that's going on around you? Why? Because you've entered into his presence Mm -hmm. and his presence is bringing you a supernatural rest. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? I know you've experienced that before. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 It's almost... Something you, you can't explain when the squeeze is on and, and all the things are, are going south on us. Yet He gives you a peace. He gives you a peace, man. He gives you a peace. He gives you a peace that is not of this world. He gives you a peace that is out of this world. He gives you a peace, man. It passes your understanding. 
it passes your mind. Because my brothers and sisters, peace is not really of the mind, it is of the heart. It will affect your mind, but it comes from within. It comes from the Prince of Peace, who dwells on the inside of you. Ooh, hallelujah. It is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. Mm. Thank God. Let's lift our hands and thank Him for peace. Glory to God. Rest upon us tonight, Lord. Spirit of the Lord is resting upon us in this church tonight. He's resting. Ha ha. Glory to God. Mm. Hallelujah. So give him something to work with. Give him faith. Trust in him. Please him with your faith. Operate and function in patience. Give him Something to work with. For he has said in his word, those which have believed. How many believers we got here tonight? How many of you have believed? You have believed, you have received. He says this, those that have believed do enter into the rest zone. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Oh, there is a rest for the people of God. There is a rest that God has provided for His very own. Hallelujah. And so we enter in to the rest of God. And we enter in to the refreshment of the Spirit of God. For we cannot bring to pass what only He can bring to pass. But we can cooperate with Him and put all of our trust in Him and rest in Him. Let be and let God. Be still and know that I am your God. And that I'm working on your situation. I got this in prayer as we were praying tonight. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It may not look like it right now, but it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Raise your hands and say, it's going to be. It's going to be all right. Amen. I don't know who that, you know, if that's for one person tonight, we can all join up and say it together and be in agreement together. Amen. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will chase 10,000 to flight. Shout it with me. It's going to be. It's going to be all right. <laughs> oh, whoo, glory. Glory to God. <laughs> Lock and shields. Ha, rabo, Sunday. Hallelujah. Wherefore, taking the shield of faith, the shield of faith, the shield of faith, amen. Faith-filled words serve as a shield, hallelujah, glory to God. Now, let's talk just for a moment in closing tonight about how that three people in the Old Testament, and we can learn some things from them, how they conducted themselves in a severe test. And if we'll learn from them, amen, we can glean some great things. So turn over to Daniel chapter 3. 
Daniel the third. Is this all right tonight? Hallelujah. Oh, the amazing power of joy, folks. Oh, glory. He said in James, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, tests, and trials. Amen. So that means we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's praise him for a minute. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we're coming through. Coming through. Coming through. Ha ha. Me celebro delebeche. Thank God we're making it on through. Going through. We're going through. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces. You get the picture? Everybody. (laughs) To come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Old Nebi was evidently on an ego trip. Then the princes, the governors, captains, judges... Treasures, counselors, sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried, herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, Amen. You must fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. This, my friends, is idol worship. There is idol worship running rampant in America. Verse 6. Whoso falleth not down and worships shall be the same hour be cast into a nice, beautiful, lovely whirlpool bath. No. There were consequences for not worshiping idols. And the agenda, the Antichrist agenda that is in this nation is designed for you and me to fall before the idols of this age and worship them. We ain't going to do it. We ain't going to do it. I don't care how hot that furnace gets. We just flat ain't going to do it. Or like George Bush said, not going to do it, not going to do it. We ain't going to do it. Amen. That's right. Who, fall, who doesn't fall in a worship show the same hour, be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, 
all the people, the nations and the languages fell down. I mean, everybody's doing it. I mean, every, come on now. Everybody is doing it. So it must be all right. Everybody's smoking it. Everybody's snoring it. Everybody's chewing it. Everybody's getting their cannabis delivered to them at their home address. So it must be. It must be. All right. And you, by the way, have to accept our agenda. Because everybody doing it. Everybody doing it. Verse 8. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They say, There will always be a remnant. There will always be those people that are set apart and that are all in and that won't fall down and worship at the feet of some stupid idol or antichrist agenda. They spake, verse 9, and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man, you get it, You've heard it. Shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. But who doesn't fall down and worship, that he should be set and cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, there are certain of the Jews which thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, come on, Meshach, and off to bed we go. And Abednego, these men, ooh, the accuser of the brethren, these men, they don't believe. These men, O king, they have not regarded thee. They don't serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. These men aren't smoking the brand you're smoking. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto him, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We will be called upon to testify for him. And when we're called upon to testify for him, we should not back down. Always be ready to testify of the hope that is in you. Amen. They don't serve my gods, nor worship the golden image, what I've set up. Now if ye be ready, that at what time you hear all this music, that you fall down and worship the image, it'll be okay. 
But if you don't, you're going to be cast into the burning fiery furnace. And then old Nebuchadnezzar starts mocking God and says, And who is that God that should deliver you out of my hands? Told you he was on an ego trip. He thought he was all that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not full of care. We're not careful to answer you in this matter. Another key to conducting yourself in the midst of test. Don't take the care just because the furnace is being heated up. If it be so, our God. Come on, everyone, shout our God. You aren't God, Nebuchadnezzar. Our God, whom we serve, he's able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace. And not only that, Nebi, he's not only able, but he will. He will. He will deliver us out of your hand, big shot. But if not, I believe what this means, but if you don't throw us into the burning fire furnace, be it known unto you, O king, we ain't going to serve them gods no matter what. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. I mean, he was upset. He was so full of pride, that man was burning. He might have been hotter than that furnace. And the form of his visage was changed. You see a person that is yielded to this world and to the spirit of Antichrist, you will see their very visage and face change. It was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should not heat, that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fire furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot. The flame of the fire slew the men. You play with fire, you get burned by fire. I'll come back here now. <laughs> Come on, let's laugh a little. Glory. Woo. Hallelujah. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They were in the fire, but the fire didn't get in them. You may be in a test, but you don't have to let 
yourself get tested to the point where it burns you up. Just get in the test and let's turn it into a testimony. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Hey, didn't we put three men in there? They answered and said unto the king, Yeah, that's right, king. (laughs) But he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. He's right in there with you. He lives in you. He's for you. He's all around you. He's got you covered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oral Roberts says, if you don't bow, you won't burn. We do not have to succumb to the spirit of this age. We do not have to succumb to sickness and disease. We do not have to be overcome by anything. Why? Because there's a fourth man loose. There's a fourth man loose. The fourth man that is loose is the same one that said, Loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the fourth is like the Son of God. Hallelujah. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come thither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. Whoo! Glory to God. Are you ready to shout? And the princes, governors, captains, the king's counselors, they gathered together. They were wanting to see him killed. But they saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of smoke passed on them. If you will conduct yourself in accordance to the word and the principles of God, you can go through a test and then you make it through the test. You will not even have a sign or smell of smoke or evidence that you've been through the test. You will come out shining. Come on, let's stand up. Amen. Let's stand up.